Welcome to episode 15 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. To all the loyal listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. I sincerely appreciate it. Love the feedback. It's been awesome, so keep listening. Thank you so much. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy what you hear. I hope you keep coming back because we got a lot going on each and every week on the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Joe D'Aloisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Well, it's a Monday. It's a recap episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. And most importantly, it is a Victory Monday edition of the podcast. And we've had a lot of those. We've actually had seven of those. We've had seven Victory Monday, well actually, probably not seven Victory Monday podcast episodes because the Packers have played on Monday night and Thursday night and have uh, come up big those evenings. So, in general though, it's a Victory Monday. Packers prevail in Arrowhead. They go on the road for only the third time this season. First, The first time since going into Jerry's World and knocking out the Dallas Cowboys. They improve to seven and one and take down the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 24. Now, I'm going to dive deep into this game specifically on the Packers side, but before I get into Green Bay and the way that the Packers escaped and improved to 7 and 1, kudos to Kansas City. Kudos to the Chiefs. They came into this game banged up. I mean, everybody knew about the uncertainty surrounding Patrick Mahomes. I thought they made the right decision not playing Patrick Mahomes. Interesting uh, to hear pregame that if this was a postseason game, which obviously would have been a Super Bowl matchup, but in general, if this was a postseason game, Mahomes would have been out on the field. So that kind of gives you an idea of where Patrick Mahomes is, and we may be seeing him much sooner rather than later which is a good thing for the Chiefs, which is a good thing for the NFL. I mean, we got cheated out of a great quarterback duel between Rodgers and Mahomes. So I I really hope we could see this matchup again down the road, possibly in a Super Bowl. But banged up is an understatement when you're talking about the Chiefs, who, again, without Patrick Mahomes, but also without key members on the offensive line and the defensive line. And they gave the Packers a run for their money. They really gave the Packers a run for their money despite getting punched in the mouth early. Green Bay goes in, 14-0 start. And if you're watching, you're probably thinking, here we go, this is a blowout, the route is on. They answered, they gained their composure, a switch of momentum, and before you know it, they're leading at the half, 17-14. On the defensive side of the ball, I thought the Chiefs did a really good job at getting after Aaron Rodgers. They sent the blitz. They were creative. They did not hold back despite not having some of their best pass rushers. Steve Spaniel did a great job of sending the pressure, and they got to Rodgers a ton, the most that any any team has gotten to Rodgers this season. Meanwhile, on the offensive side of the ball, I thought Matt Moore did a good job. You can't blame this loss on Matt Moore. The Chiefs really didn't force him to do too much, and... Josh Klingler, who joined us on the preview episode from 610 uh, Sports Radio out in KC, he said it perfectly best. You don't want Matt Moore to go out there and have to do too much. You want him to control the game. And that game plan kind of reminded me 
a little bit of the same game plan that John Gruden and Derek Carr had with getting the ball out early and often. And you could tell Green Bay was a little rattled with how to control the skill position players that the Kansas City Chiefs have. I mean, Tyreek Hill, every, no matter where Tyreek Hill was on the field, there was a swarm of Packers with him. Which, of course, created other opportunities for other players. But despite a backup quarterback, the Packers still respected the skill position players that the Chiefs have. I think the one mistake that I'll put on Andy Reid in this game was when the Chiefs were trailing 31-24, to um, Andy Reid elects with about just over five minutes left in the game. Andy Reid elects to punt on fourth and three at, 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 on their own 40-yard line, gives the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers offense, and they're able, excellent punt by the way, down the Packers on the two-yard line, but they were able to plow through. They were able to run the ball, and then on a big third and five, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers throws the ball to none other than Aaron Jones, converts the converts the first down, kneels it out, Green Bay improves to 7-1. Kudos to Kansas City. They fought hard. They, at 5-3, and three, without Patrick Mahomes right now, they're the they're the best team outside of the Patriots on the in the AFC. I mean, there's no there's no denying that because there were plays. You, you know, Patrick Mahomes is just a special quarterback, and and this offense is not what it's like when Matt Moore is running it. I mean, it's obvious they are so explosive, and the potential is sky is sky's the limit. I I really think that this Kansas City Chiefs team can make a deep run into the postseason. But onto the Packers because seven and one is seven and one. And if you would have told me at the start of the regular season that with a new coach the Packers would be seven and one, I would have told you that you're crazy. I really expected at this point maybe four and three, three and four, possibly five at two, five and two at best. I would have settled with three and four. No problem. Especially how especially what we witnessed last season with the Packers and Mike McCarthy, but Matt Flores has come into Green Bay, and he's really he's really changed everything. I mean, obviously it helps when Brian Gutenkus takes over. Obviously, obviously it helps that he comes in, he takes over, he immediately gets involved in free, agencies, free agency, and you're getting the production that you are getting from Zadarius Smith, from Preston Smith. The free agents are helping tremendously. And that usually doesn't happen in the NFL. You don't build your team via free agency. But this is a completely different team. The, the, the attitude is different on both sides of the ball. The energy is there. The fire is there. And it's just a great over... It, it seems, and I'm not there on a consistent basis. I'm not there at all. For those of you listening who don't know where I am, I'm in, I'm in New York watching every single game. But it seems like this locker room is gelling so well and they're so connected that it shows on the field. It shows on the field. And one guy specifically that is just playing on a different level is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had himself an evening on Sunday night in Arrowhead. 13 carries for 67 yards on the ground, which doesn't jump off the chart, but right around five yards, a little bit over, I believe, five yards per carry there. 
But, man, was he something else through the air. Seven receptions, 159 yards, and two scores. Do you remember just a few weeks ago when Aaron Jones dropped that touchdown against the Lions? Wide open, not a soul in sight, and he dropped that pass? Because realistically, right now, I can honestly say I don't remember that play. Because that's how well Aaron Jones has A, recovered, and B, bounced back. And that's how good he's been playing since then, especially in the past game. With his performance last night, he became the first Packers running back with 150 receiving yards since the merger. Aaron Jones was not used nearly enough under Mike McCarthy. You could see the shift in mentality between McCarthy and LaFleur immediately based on just Aaron Jones' production. We knew with LaFleur coming in, he's a quarterback guy, he likes to get his running backs involved, and you're seeing that. You're seeing that with Aaron Jones on a consistent basis. And he's stepping up in an enormous way without Devontae Adams because if it wasn't for Aaron Jones last night, the wide receiving core, yikes, did not look did not look good. And we'll get into that a little bit later into the podcast. But Aaron Jones is showing that he is a legit threat running the ball and could possibly be a bigger threat in the receiving game. I mean, for Aaron Rodgers to be able to dump off a pass to Aaron Jones and let him take off and go, that says a lot. But it says even more about Aaron Rodgers and his ability to read defenses because he kept seeing the mismatch and he kept going to it. So maybe that's why I don't put too much blame on the rest of the wide receiving core for not being productive because Aaron Aaron Rodgers saw a weakness and continued to attack it. So kudos to Rodgers on that behalf. And we'll, speak to, we'll, we'll talk about him in just a few moments. But I also have to give a shout-out to Aaron Jones' partner in crime, Jamal Williams who also had a score on the ground and caught one in the air. Now, could be he was at the right place at the right time. Aaron Rodgers is about to get destroyed. It looks like he's throwing the ball away or possibly to Jimmy Graham, who had good positioning or some some sort of positioning on his defender. The ball goes over Jimmy Graham, and you see Jamal Williams dive for the ball, both hand, both feet on the ground, secures the touchdown pass, Packers score. What I like the most about this backfield is the camaraderie. There is not a single point that you've ever seen one of them get frustrated with the other. This combo, this tandem is great. They play, they they're always into the game. They're always cheering each other on. There's no conflict where I don't know. I feel like on other teams when there's a when there's a true number one and a number two who's solid and decent, um, there could be some internal conflict. These guys look like best buds. They're always up for each other. One of them scores, the other one's right there celebrating with them. And again last night, something you you saw. We saw it early in the season, very very early. We saw Jones and Williams on the field at the same time. We saw it a lot last the other night, Sunday night, against Kansas City. You saw that a lot, and it opens up the playbook tremendously. It opens up the playbook tremendously for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who 
has been unbelievable. He got knocked around a ton. Sacked five times. Got beat up. But he made some godlike plays. Simple as that. He made some throws. He made some plays that only Aaron Rodgers could make. Maybe Patrick Mahomes would make them. Wouldn't surprise me. Because we've seen him do some special things. But Rodgers was something else. Early in the game, the throw, the, uh, I think it was a 40-yard throw to Jay Kumaro. Who, by the way, it was a great throw and an even better job by Jay Kumaro. Paying attention, not getting distracted, great concentration holding on to that ball. And then the touchdown to Jamal Williams that I was just talking about. Basically, he had half half of his foot was on the ground. About to get absolutely destroyed, stays in the pocket, launches it in a spot where only Jamal Williams could grab the ball and, and, and catch the ball. Touchdown, Green Bay. I, I was in awe on both of those plays. It's like you don't even realize what you're watching until you see it over and over again, and you just shake your head. You're like, are you are you kidding me? Did that really happen? I mean, that's what it felt like. It, it, it's just it's been amazing to watch Aaron Rodgers grow in this offense. And what's been amazing is how well he's been playing the last four games, mind you, without Devontae Adams, his favorite and best target. He's been, he's been amazing. And there is no doubt in my mind that he should be in the MVP conversation with the way that he's been playing. No doubt in my mind. Over the last four with no Devontae Adams. 94 for 136, 69%. 1,255 yards, 10 touchdowns, 1 interception. Rating of 119.58. What more could you ask for for Aaron Rodgers? Look at the surrounding cast that Aaron Rodgers has. Okay? And it's no disrespect to the talent on the offensive side of the ball, especially without Devontae Adams. Look at the talent. Now imagine, imagine if Aaron Rodgers had the skill players that the Kansas City Chiefs had. Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. The speed on that team, could you imagine that in a Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball? So then to peel back the layers and look at what Green Bay has right now and seeing the success that they're having, uh, it's amazing. It, it really is. It, it really has been Unbelievable. And we can't talk about Sunday night's game without talking about the unsung hero. Tyler Lancaster. The nose tackle came up huge. Huge in this game. The biggest play of the game. Uh, you could talk about Jay Kumaro's catch. You could talk about uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams' touchdown in the corner. He came up huge in this game. Forcing a fumble, LaShawn McCoy, who... By the way, LaShawn McCoy carries the ball. Uh, I don't know how coaches haven't been able to get in this man's head and change the way that he carries the ball because he carries it like it's a loaf of bread. And Tyler Lancaster got his, his, his hand in there at the perfect time, forces the fumble, and then recovers it. 
right after, and this is exactly after Green Bay goes down the field, ties the game at 17 in the third quarter. The following drive, he forces the fumble. He recovers the fumble. Green Bay gets the ball in their own, in Kansas City territory, goes five plays, 27 yards. They take the lead, 24-17, momentum, momentum change immediately. Now, mind you, the following drive, Kansas City comes right back down the field, 10 plays, 75 yards, and scores a touchdown. But still, Tyler Lancaster, play of the game, not not enough credit to this man and that one play because of how well Aaron Jones played in this one, but he deserves a ton of credit. He deserves a ton of credit. The only the only turnover of the game coming at a, at a crucial time. At a crucial time. And and I think we've been we've said it a lot on this podcast. If you're able to get after the quarterback, if you're able to force turnovers, there's a good chance you're going to win the game. Green Bay's defense came up big late in that sense. Lancaster came up big, forced that turnover, and played a huge role in, in flipping the momentum and helping Green Bay improve to 7-1. and one. Now, it wasn't all good, though. It wasn't all good, and, and there are some things that stood out for uh, for me in terms of the bad when it comes to this game. Despite when a win's a win, so you'll take it, but some things that, that caught my eye. Number one. Poor tackling. Terrible tackling. Atrocious tackling. The Packers defense, and this isn't the first time we've seen them struggle tackling. I think I, I've talked about this before. It was putrid against the Chiefs. I feel like a majority of the players on that on this defensive unit missed tackles last night. And that was crucial. Against the Chiefs team, again, I keep talking about the skill positions, skill position players that they have, but the speed that they have. They were able to turn what should have been 5 to 10 yards into 15 and 20 yards after the catch. Breaking tackles and just sprinting downfield. They gave up a ton of yak. They got to be better in that category. There were several times when they had Kansas City, a Kansas City player wrapped up and just couldn't get him down. I mean, I don't know what the exact number of missed tackles was, but it was poor. It was poor, and I, and I expect Matt LaFleur and Mike Payne to address that. I mean, just a couple that come to mind. Darnell Savage, I know he missed a few. And yes, it's his first game back since injury, so you give him the benefit of the doubt with Rust. A little rusty. Blake Martinez missed a few. You could say it's because he had that huge club. I, I wouldn't be. I mean, I can't tackle with with. I can't tackle if I'm healthy and no club. I can't imagine tackling with with a club on. But just overall, the uh, the poor tackling was just unacceptable. Offensive side, the offensive line. Now, this group has been. Great all season. It's very hard to complain about what you've gotten from this offensive line. But I thought they struggled more than usual Sunday night against the Chiefs. And I was surprised by that because early on, early on, I thought the Chiefs were able to get to Rodgers, but Rodgers had plenty of time. Wide receivers not getting open. You saw that frustration. 
But then when the all-out blitzes started coming, yes, Rodgers adjusted. He did a phenomenal job adjusting, recognizing, getting the ball out of his hands quicker. But it just felt like he was getting hit on a consistent basis. And I don't know, maybe maybe it was the fact that Steve Spaniola was, was pretty creative in terms of his blitz packages, what he was doing. But but they the offensive line had a rough evening. And and I I probably wouldn't make this a, a big of as big of a deal, but the fact that the Chiefs were missing some of their top pass rushers that's what bothers me the most about this. Their best pass rushers were out of the game, and you got second and third string guys getting Rodgers. I just don't think that should ha- ever happen ever. Again, early in the game it was okay. But as the game progressed, uh, it, it was it, it was it was scary. I mean, you saw Rodgers bailing a lot earlier. Now, at some time, should Rodgers have thrown the ball away? Absolutely. But you saw him running a lot more than usual, extending plays a lot more than usual. And finally, I got to talk about the wide receivers. Aaron Jones is a running back. He did an excellent job in terms of uh, being a receiver on Sunday night. But the wide receiver position. The wide receiver production. And no one really cares about this, I don't think. The day after. Two days after. Because you win. You see the production from Aaron Jones. It's not a big deal. Are our running backs going to be that effective in the pass game? Great. Devontae Adams comes back. No need to worry. But where was Geronimo Allison last night? Where was MVS Sunday night? Alan Lazard led the group with those five receptions. But Geronimo Allison and MVS cannot combine for two receptions and 11 yards. That can't happen. That cannot happen. So one thing to keep an eye on before our next podcast, before the preview podcast that comes out later in the week, previewing the Packers' next matchup with the Chargers, do the Green Bay Packers make a move at the wide receiver position before the October 29th trade deadline? Do they bring someone in to help out this wide receiving core? Yes, Devontae Adams will be back When? Not sure, but I I would assume sooner rather than later. I think it's safe to assume he will definitely be back after the bye. I think that's safe. Could we see him next week? I don't think it's worth rushing him next week. Possibly if he's ready at home against Carolina right before the bye, Veterans Day weekend. But I think it's safe to say we'll see him in San Fran, which is fine. But do the Packers... At a wide receiver. Two guys that they were linked to, possibly Mohamed Sanu, Emmanuel Sanders, both on the move. Emmanuel uh, Emmanuel Sanders, excuse me, yep. He goes to San Fran, a team that you will be playing against in about four weeks, and you're directly competing against them in the NFC, the only one of the only undefeated teams left in, in, in the in the NFL. Mohamed Sanu goes to the Patriots, another team that that you could possibly see in the Super Bowl. Undefeated. Do the Packers add some depth? Truthfully, I don't think so. 
But improving the skill positions is crucial for this offense. It's crucial for Aaron Rodgers to be even... It's, it's tough to even imagine him being much better, but even better. Giving him an extra weapon. Because right now, right now they're lucky that people like Aaron Jones are, are stepping up. But you got to get more. You got to get more out of, the, out of these guys. Maybe, again, once Devontae Adams comes back, that production... From Alan Lazar, Geronimo Allison, MVS, it increases because now teams are focusing on Devontae Adams. But you look at the skill position players that the Kansas City Chiefs have, and then you look at Green Bay's, and it's a night and day difference. And it just screams potential if they could add at the skill position, at the skill position, a player at the skill position level. It just screams potential. But again, survive in advance. The Packers are on to next week. Back on the road. They remain on the road. First time all season back-to-back road games against the Chargers, who, quite frankly, nothing special. Thank you for beating the Chicago Bears, but nothing special. Probably see a lot more Packers fans and Chargers fans in L.A. But survive in advance. 7-1 and one is 7-1, and one, and you really can't complain that much about that start. All right, before we sign off, though, let's get to my Week 8 headlines. The Seahawks got off to a 24-0 lead and held on on the road against the Falcons 27-20. The Falcons are now 1-7. What is going on in Atlanta? I think the only question you could really ask is when will Dan Quinn get the boot? Because there is no chance that Dan Quinn is the head coach of this team next season. And if he is... There's even bigger problems. The Eagles. The Eagles needed to save their their season, and they did it on the road, defeating the Buffalo Bills 31-13. My one, my only pick of the week that I got correct. I know I had another bad week, one and two. We'll dive into that into the preview. I don't want to talk about that right now. But a big win for the Eagles. It saves their season. They're back at 500. And for the Bills, the Bills finally get tested. The Bills finally get tested. Their only other test this season was against the New England Patriots, another game where, that they lost. But I thought that the Eagles needed this one more than the Bills. They came out. They win. Brand new season now for the Eagles. The Chargers, we just mentioned them. Green Bay heads to L.A. next week. They improve to 3-5 and five after huh, some more kicking issues in Chicago. Eddie Pinheiro misses a game-winning field goal. Chargers win. 17-16. Matt Nagy getting a little snippy with the media, asking him why he didn't get a few more yards to help the kicker out. Instead, he kneels the ball. 3-4. and four. The Bears are 3-4. and four. What happened to the powerful Bears? What is going on with this offense? Matt Nagy. I thought he was going to come in. He was going to reinvent this offense. Mitch Trubisky was going to take that next step. Mitch Trubisky has taken three steps backwards. Finally, they got a great game out of David Montgomery, the guy who was supposed to come into town and save the day. But there's a lot of problems with this offense. The Lions, staying within the division, they improved to 3-3-1 with their 31-26 victory over the Giants. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford with another big game, 342 yards in the air, three scores, and a little trickery while doing so, hitting Kenny Galladay on the flea flicker. Kenny Galladay's been big. 
for Detroit. And, and this Detroit team is hot and cold, but at 3-3-1, three, three and one, they're, they're hanging around. They're hanging around, and they're going to continue to fight tough. Let's go to Jacksonville, where I guess it's safe to say that Sam Darnold is still seeing ghosts. Gardner Minshew outduels Darnold, throwing for 279, three scores. And meanwhile, for Darnold, he adds another three interceptions on his resume. Jets drop to one and six. I thought the Jets were a playoff team. I feel like a fool saying that now. After week eight, one and six. Again, similar to the same situation over in Atlanta. Does Adam Gaze last the entire season? Because Sam Darnold... Yes, it's been a small sample size because of the mono. He missed some time, but he doesn't look good. He looks like he has zero confidence. He looks like, he looks like he's regressing already. Not a good sign in New York. Drew Brees, he returns for the state Saints, and the Saints still dominate 31-9 at home against the Cardinals. I mean, first of all, this defense, this Saints defense is, is very good. Probably one of the best defensive units that we've seen from a Saints team in quite some time. But Teddy Bridgewater just led you without Drew Brees. Kept you afloat. Drew Brees comes back. I was in the the camp of saying, hey, it's the Arizona Cardinals. You're playing at home. Give them an extra week. Drew Brees said, if I could grip it and rip it, I'm out there. And he did that 7-1 Saints. The NFC's tough. Green Bay, the Saints, the 49ers. Really tough. Really tough division. Really tough conference. Veteran kicker Adam Venateri had his struggles early in the season, but was clutch on Sunday, nailing a 51-yard field goal with 22 seconds left to help the Colts rally past the Broncos 15-13, and Joe Flacco, Mr. Elite Flacco, was not happy with the coaching staff, was not happy with the play calling, and said, hey, we're a 2-6 football team. Why We shouldn't be afraid to lose. Let's be more aggressive. And I love hearing that from a veteran. He wants to go out there and he wants to win. He hates losing. He's the ultimate competitor. But once again, every time that the Colts win, I feel like I'm saying this. Somehow, someway, despite not having Andrew Luck, they're still figuring it out. Jacoby Brissett leads the Colts to another one. The Titans, they hang on to beat the Buccaneers 27-23. What can I really say about this game other than the fact that Jameis Winston is a bad quarterback? Jameis Winston is a bad quarterback. He makes bad decisions, and he is playing worse than a rookie quarterback. And this is a guy who's been in the league for, what, four, five years? And I finally thought, I bought in, I said, Bruce Arians, he's coming. He's going to make Jameis Winston a better quarterback. Oh my God, have I? I've been so wrong with that. I thought coming off the bye... You regroup, you help, you get a little healthy. You'll be able to go into Tennessee, who's a nothing special, and beat the Titans. No, of course the Bucks, the Bucks let me down. Jameis Winston lets me down, and the Titans win. I mentioned them all earlier. The 49ers, they remain undefeated, destroying the Panthers. Another game that I got wrong. I thought coming off the bye, Kyle Allen playing so well for the Panthers, replacing Cam Newton. I had I gave the Panthers a shot. I thought they'd win this game. But 
all I could say about this one, I was wrong about the 49ers. I was wrong about the 49ers, and I continue to be wrong about the 49ers because they do it on both sides of the ball. Their offense was explosive. Joey Bosa, give him Defensive Player of the Year. Forget about Rookie Defensive Player of the Year. Give him the Defensive Player of the Year award because he deserves it. What do you have, three sacks, one interception that he almost took to the house? The 49ers are getting it done on both sides of the ball, and it's been special, and it's exciting. I'm not going to admit and say and say I've watched enough of the 49ers, but the, the glimpse of, of football that I watch and I see of the 49ers, they have that swagger, they have that fun that I also see in the Green Bay Packers. Big bad Bill Belichick, baby. He earns his 300th career win, taking down the Browns 27-13. to Man, the Browns are in complete shambles. Freddie Kitchens should not be a head coach in the NFL. It's that simple. He should have never gotten the job. I still don't understand how he got the job. They continue to kick themselves in the rear end week after week with bad penalties. They're not disciplined and they're not playing good football. The Patriots on the flip side, they're undefeated. But it's not like they've gone up against mighty giants either. Again, I thought the Cleveland Browns would be much better this season than what they are. But the Patriots have not faced tough opponents. They have faced weak quarterbacks and have taken advantage of that. And that's what good teams do. So I'm not going to discredit that that undefeated start for the Patriots. Absolutely not. Because good teams, great teams, take advantage of bad teams. And that's exactly what they're doing. But they're going to have a, a tough test a tough test next week against the Baltimore Ravens. So again, I'm not high on Lamar Jackson. But could Lamar Jackson take down the Patriots? I think it could happen. Do I, do I think it will? No, but I think there's a possibility there. So this will be a good test to see where the Patriots are. And finally, Deshaun Watson threw for 279 yards and three scores, including the go-ahead score in the fourth quarter where, I don't know, A, how Watson didn't get tackled, but B, the guy got kicked in the face. Yes, Deshaun Watson got kicked in the face, doesn't go down, stays up, Finds his tight end for the go-ahead touchdown, and the Texans take down the Raiders 27-24. to And John Gruden shouted him out after the game saying, you know, the GOAT, comparing with Michael Jordan, the GOAT. Now, I think that's a little too far, but Sean Watson has, has kept this team alive. And unfortunately for the Texans, some bad news. J.J. Watt, a torn pec muscle, he will be out the rest of the season. I think this is now, what, three or the four? Three or four times that... Watt is now going to miss the rest of the season and be on IR as of recent. So it, you hate to see that coming from such a, a great guy on and off the field. But those are my week eight headlines. And again, peel back the layers a little bit. I'm recording on a Monday. There's still one more game this week. The terrible Miami Dolphins against the bad Pittsburgh Steelers. So that should be a Terribly entertaining game to watch. Still for more football, but I don't know how many people are actually going to watch that one. 
That'll wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Remember, you could listen on SoundCloud. You could listen on Stitcher, Spotify. We are available on all those podcast platforms. Be on the lookout for a preview episode later in the week. Packers head to LA to take on the Chargers. We'll talk about that. I'll hope to bring bring in a guest to talk about the Chargers. We'll learn a little bit more about the Chargers and their early season struggles. And I'll also have my picks of the week because I did go one and one and two, but we're still in the green. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe Double Underscore D A L O I S I O. And as always, go pack go.